Yeah, hi, good afternoon. This is Dr. Howard Haft. I'm the executive director of the Maryland Primary Care Program, bringing you our podcast, Primary Care in Maryland. And I am so happy today to be joined by Dr. Stacy Garrett Ray. Um, Dr. Garrett Ray is a currently the medical, medical director of the University of Maryland Medical Systems Population Health Services Organization and the president of both the University of Maryland Quality Care Network and Transform Health MD. And she's been a, an incredible asset to Maryland. Dr. Garrett Ray um, received her bachelor's of science degree and was a biology major and a woman's study minor from the University of Richmond, where she was the Cygnus Scholar and her medical degree from the University of Maryland School of Medicine or Family Medicine Residency at the University of Maryland Department of Medicine, Family Medicine and Community Medicine, where she also served as a chief resident. Um, and as a board certified family physician, Dr. Garrett Ray continues to practice primary care in Maryland and currently also serves as the UMMS COVID-19 response community provider liaison. So it is a great pleasure to have her join us today. And what we'd like to talk about today, just in the next several minutes, is uh, team-based care. Team-based care, is, uh, as you know, is, uh, is a, a nuance that's um, probably um, new to many of us in primary care, but is really rapidly overtaking the environment. Know, knowing that medicine has gotten so complex and we have to attend to so many different things now that it's impossible for any one person uh, to care for all of those. So we really rely heavily on, on team-based care. And um, along those lines, um, Stacy, what, what's your definition of team-based care? So, uh, so Howard, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, this is something that I think is so important in terms of team-based care. And to define it, I think of it as an enhanced way that we provide healthcare delivery uh, for our patients, as well as enhancing outcomes, including quality and safety and the experience for our patients. And so it is definitely something that is patient-centered, requires multiple team members to be involved and engaged. And, uh, and of course, the core is the patient and, and how can we enhance the delivery of care through all that are involved. Great. So who, who, who do you think is uh, the or key players on those teams in the, in the current context of how we deliver healthcare in, in the U.S. or in Maryland now? Yeah, so, so I, I say this to all of my team members. Everybody is a leader in terms of the delivery of care, and everyone has an important role. Uh, it does require that you've got your primary care provider, you've got your front desk, you've got your MAs that are involved with that care management team is critical. So having your uh, RN case manager, social worker, your pharmacist, your behavioral health specialist, and some of them are gonna be core that are, in, that are right there in your office, and some are gonna be the extended uh, care team members that may not be housed in your particular primary care office, but are part of your team and that they, they actually have delivery um, of care services or that you engage with them accordingly. Uh, so that's how I view that. Um, and I think that also ensuring that you've got your specialists that, that are also part of the team that work with the primary care providers, that we have open communication and understand again, that we all surround our patients to provide them with that team approach. Yeah, so, so you listed a number of different 
uh, participants in a team from behavioral health to care managers to others to specialists and others is is it that is it that same team that is attached to every patient or is it a different team depending on the patient's needs and how does all that work out together in the actual workflows of of seeing patients day to day yes so so the key thing is the primary care provider really um, is the the core provider or accountable provider that's helping to say listen team members this is Ms. Smith she really needs to have some support in terms of uh, care delivery or we have a lot of challenges in terms of our social determinants and helping to to really say who is it on the team that we need to focus on to help Ms. Smith so, so the thing is, although there's a team approach, although we talk about that, we do have that individualized patient-centered delivery at the end. So not every team member may actually, um, you may want to think about it almost like supply-demand kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody will have different needs. Everybody will have different pieces and you want to deliver what is necessary to help them to achieve their life goals. So there may be different team members that are coming off of the bench, if you think of it that way, I'm a sports person. So they may be coming off of the bench at a different time and may need more minutes on that court, if we're talking about March Madness right now, to make sure that you get to where you need to go, right? So that at the end of the day, at this, when we talk about delivery of care, the win is to get the patient to have the best quality of care, best experience, um, and that's the win. Yeah, no, thank you. That's great. And I think maybe if you use a different sports metaphor and say that the, could you say that the, um, that the provider, the doctor or nurse practitioner, whoever that is, is the quarterback on the team and yep. they're going to, they're going to call the play and some plays are going to be, they're going to be a running play and some will be a passing play and some plays, some players will mm -hmm. take certain roles and some plays, some of those players may not play a big role at all, depending on and what the need is and what, what the play is for that particular patient. Correct, correct. So how has this, how has this changed primary care? So I know, so I go back a long way in primary care and it was mostly, you know, my, it was me and, and me and myself alone. Uh, maybe, you know, a front desk and somebody in, you know, an MA or a nurse to bring a patient back. Um, but the roles were at, back in, in, in the earlier days for those uh, were fairly limited. Um, and, the, and what you paint is a picture of much, much broader um, involvement by people with lots of other talents and specializations and, and abilities. Is it more about those talents and abilities or is it more about the time it takes to interact with a patient to meet all their needs or some, some kind of combination of those? So I would say it's a combination of that. Um, so, so the thing is, everyone, like I had said before, everyone has a role in terms of the delivery. And so um, depending on what the need is for that patient will require either additional time that's necessary uh, for, for that individual. But I definitely think that it's a blend in terms of the skills and the time that's necessary. So any anyone that rises to being more important than the other in your in your day to day life as a provider or for what you hear from the practices that you work with are is behavioral health more important or is uh, is a care management or or does it really depend is it really person by person what are the things that you could live without what are the things you can't live without 
Gosh, I, I would tell you that it's it's hard to live without any of the team members because they all have an integral role, right? Um, so I, I say that honestly, the care team is so critical uh, to be able to provide that um, extension to the primary care provider. We as primary care providers can't do any of this alone, right? And I think you were you were saying, listen, when I started and when I got into it, maybe the form of the team was a little bit different, um, but it's really ensuring that you've got the right competencies and right skills of the team um, to make sure that we're effective in that. But the care management team is so core. Um, so when a patient comes in at any touch point, and it's not just necessarily for a patient that comes into your office for a face-to-face -face encounter or a telemedicine encounter, but if you find out that there is a need, for instance, Ms. Smith has just been discharged from the hospital, you know that you need to follow up with her as a primary care provider, but how can I ensure that I can also address all of those other needs that she has what she needs within her home? And that really requires that you've got a strong care management team, that you've got RN case managers who can help out with, those, with looking at their you know, chronic conditions and the management there and to understand uh, that when to, to pull in your social worker to help out with some of those social needs for maybe a patient who, who needs meals, right? Or needs some other additional support because we know that without addressing a lot of those social determinants, then it makes it very hard for us to be able to then look at how we can manage those chronic conditions effectively as a team. Um, and, and, I, and I say, you know, our pharmacists are so critical because we know that a lot of uh, the challenges that we have come from either medical errors, right, at times, or, or their medications that people have. Um, and, and ensuring that you've got what you need at the right time and, um, and making sense of that and helping out. And so um, pharmacists are so critical as well. So it's so hard for me to say that one is more important than the other. We all have a role in delivering that care for our patients. It sounds like they become, one becomes more important for certain patients and less important for other patients, but in the full right. list of all of the patients that you see, they all have a, a role, some more pervasive than exactly. others. So, and how about in the, in the continuity? Do, do, um, when you see a patient um, and you care for them, whether it's for, you know, for a, an acute visit or a chronic visit, and and you do whatever you need to do in terms of diagnosis and treatment, and then engaging that care team. Is that a is that a process that they it's a direct handoff? Now you go to see the social worker, or is this something that then becomes a more continuous part of the existence of that patient in between visits? Uh, so honestly, it varies based on the on really the office and how that office is is situated. So I can tell you that. Um, like in my former uh, role where I was actually in Veterans Health Administration, I had, you know, my social worker, my pharmacist standing there sitting right outside as well as behavioral health. So it was a little bit different in terms of the handoff. So I was able to send a message, engage them and say, okay, Miss Smith needs to see you. I'm going to have you see them before you leave. So it was, a, it was actually, you know, a physical warm handoff, I would say. Um, not all offices are like that. There's some offices we don't have um, social work or, or the care management that are truly embedded physically. And that does require that you have that virtual handoff uh, for the patient. 
Um, I think that telemedicine, especially this, this time during the pandemic, has also allowed us to see how can we do more real-time handoffs. And it makes it a very, it makes it actually a more unique model in certain places that I've seen in some of the practices where we can dial in the pharmacist while they're in the office with the primary care provider or the case manager or the case manager without the primary care provider there is able to dial in the pharmacist and the social worker. And then you've got the entire team there with, with the patient on the call, right? Doing almost a group Zoom call. Uh, and so, so I think, you know, it really is dependent on, um, you know, what processes you have available, what structure you have available, and what makes most sense, I think, for the practices and an understanding, not, it's not going to be cookie cutter, but there are core components of team-based care and core team members that are, are, I think, essential for us to engage, if that makes sense. Oh, oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. And even the, the image of seeing uh, all of that team gathered together on a Zoom call really is a, a new defining moment. That's something we've come through, through this pandemic to be able to more, more, um, more maximally utilize um, telehealth. And, and that is one great application. And, and I think as I understand what you're saying also, that, that you, in between your face-to-face -face or your video visits with patients, that that they'll also be able to connect up with those other resources in, in the team. Um, and that so that in between, whether it's a three month or a month or however that interval is, other things are happening. Other people in the team are supporting that patient. So they, they, they don't just leave an office or a visit and then they're disconnected until the next time that they see the provider. There's a continuity of care that's implied by, by this team-based care. Is that, is that, am I saying that correctly? Yeah. That is correct. I, you know, I think about journey maps. That's how I, I view this, you know, so, um, so if you take a journey map of our patients and you think about those touch points that we have, they're no, they should not be alone during any time during their journey. That's the ideal state, right? So if they come to see me or you as a primary care provider, they know that when they leave those doors, okay, you've got, you know, your care manager who is going to be contacting you. They're accessible and available to you as well because life happens, you know, things happen outside of just that one encounter that you may have, but they need to know who those individuals are, um, including your primary care provider, because we, you know, like you had said, you know, quarterback or point guard or trying to help out to make sure that those things are done. But they also need to know just due to time, if you need to have someone who can, can reach out to you or answer your questions, then you've got an entire crew that is behind you. You know, that, that's, that's where team-based primary care thing is so effective when we get to that. So then how do you, how do you perceive so far that um, the patients like the team-based care? Do they seem to appreciate the fact that they not only have a primary care doctor, nurse practitioner that they can rely on, but, but they have others that they can call? Does that seem to be well appreciated? Yes, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think about some of my patients that are very appreciative because they understand that either primary care providers, you're going to be in the office. If you're, you know, full-time seeing patients every day, you're in between and you may be able to get to them at lunchtime or depending on urgency, you know, someone will pull you out 
or even at the end of the day. But this actually helps in terms of the delivery and I think the timeliness, right? And to be able to address some of their questions or concerns and, and to have those team members involved. And so I have found um, that a lot of the patients actually, they're very appreciative. Sometimes they will call the care manager and say, listen, I, I wanted to tell you about this situation or they talk, contact the pharmacist. And they, they, they start to see that all of us have different um, unique skills that we bring to help them at the end of the day, right? And so that, that to me allows all of us to work at our highest level and to be more time, I think, uh, more efficient with our time and resources to give people what they need, right time, right delivery. Uh, well, very well said. And, and I think very well said also regarding letting team members work to their highest abilities. I think that's something that, that people in the team really enjoy. They like to be able to know that they can participate in a maximal way in the, in the care of the patients also. That's, that's a great, uh, it's great for their, uh, for their feeling of uh, inclusiveness also. So what about the payment system? You know, a lot of times uh, we have great ideas um, on how to deliver care, but the payment system may or may not um, respond to that. How, how do you think the payment systems responding now? So, uh, so I will tell you that if we look at federal versus commercial, okay, I think that there have been there, you know, there's been variability. But I think that when we look at state and federal over the past several years, have really been pushing towards um, helping to support this type of delivery of care or even value-based care. Um, Maryland Primary Care Program, prime example, I think, of helping us to say, listen, when you have to look at the infrastructure that's necessary and the processes and outcomes, how can, how can we provide you with that support in order to be able to get that and be able to execute? So, um, so that, I think, has been very critical and is actually helping us in the state of Maryland to move forward. So MDPCP, um, you know, state, federal coming together to help to push us forward. And that actually, you know, most of us are, are payer, you know, I hate to say this on this call, but we're payer agnostic, right? I mean, we are, you know, patients come in. And so you start to learn about practice transformation and changing the delivery for all, right, at this point. And you start to look and step back. And, um, and I, so I think that you know, that has, that is an example that's helped us. There are multiple, you know, I, I also um, lead a, a group that's a clinically integrated network uh, with uh, commercial payers, you know, and so with that, um, we have seen such a transformation, I think, over the past uh, several years in the payment structure there as well. So it's not so much about the volume, right? It's about value. And understanding the value requires different structure, different team members for us to get to where we need to with those outcomes and goals. So, um, so I, I really cannot say that we will go backwards. You know, I, I really think that the time has changed. You know, I think that that patients are um, are consumers now that want more. Right, they want more from just like not just primary care providers, but from the team itself, and deserve that. And so, um, so I'm grateful that there are programs that are out there that are changing the payment structure. Um, 
It's good. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think it's a part of an evolution that we're going through. And and um, I think if if as you as you described, as we really can't can't eliminate any of those team members, they're all critically important. There needs to be a way to represent that in terms of the payments because some mm -hmm. perhaps could bill separately for their services. Most probably can't do that. And and that even in the in the in the greater sense. Uh, many people billing separately probably would wind up costing the system more and be more complex. So is there a is there a world that you can see where we move further toward population based payments, kind of what we used uh -huh. to call we used to call capitation. We don't call it that anymore because that be, capitation became a dirty word back right. in the 90s. But do you see a movement back in that direction again? I, I do. I, I do see us moving back towards that. I, I think it's almost like um you know, I'm using a lot of examples today, but, per, you know, it's like progressive insurance, right? <laughs> you know, um, people start to see benefits in bundling, right? And they start to think about how, how can, how can we ensure that uh, we have a team approach to the payments or the delivery of care, but also the payment itself. And so I, I definitely think that that will occur. Um, it is occurring already in certain areas, um, not using the capitation word, but that's where we're going to be transitioning. And I think that that allows us to also step away so much from that volume-based approach, right, that, that we were looking at before, which makes it uh, more challenging to provide, I think, team-based care, right? Because you're, you know, in that format, it's about how many more encounters can I, you know, and that's how it became about volume, et cetera, as opposed to really stepping back and saying, how do I get to where I need to for the outcomes? How do I look at the quality and the experience and engage the right people? So at the end of the day, end of the day that's where we are. Um, so it has to change. I don't, I don't think there's, like I said before, there's any way that we can go back backwards. Well, thank you. I truly believe that that's um, that's the course that we have to take. Also, we hope that those who make those decisions are moving in the same direction. So, we'll we'll see over time. So, so um, Stacey, I want to ask you one other question. This is kind of a um, an imaginative question. If you could travel in a time machine, so we know there are no real time machines, but if you could travel in a time machine and go back ten years ago to your and and you, there you're standing with your past self um, in an exam room or in an office, um, and you start telling your past self about what the future is like in team-based care, um, what, what do you think the, the response would be? What, what would your past self be surprised about? Uh, so, so I will tell you, my 10-year my younger self would probably say, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, we're, we're we're finally getting to that part, um, and I think that the that I would also be asking myself, okay, the how, you know, how are we going to make this happen? Because it does require cultural transformation, and it, and that takes time. And so, um, so I think I would ask myself, how are we going to deal with cultural and practice transformation? How are we going to um, support the infrastructure that's necessary? And then, um, because we already understand the why, I, I would understand, I think 10 years ago, the complete why and excited about it, but then it becomes, now let's move into, 
are we going to have the appropriate things to help to support and enable that to occur for all team members, right? And core part of the team is also the patient. So it's not just, you know, about the transformation in the office, but it's the transformation for the patient too, because you're changing the way that they're used to delivering care too. So at this point, I would say, listen, let me get you into a DeLorean, Stacy. We're going, we're going, you know, to the future. I'm going to show you the future is bright. It is going to be bright. And you're gonna and you're gonna find there's gonna be more, I think, um, satisfaction for your patients, for you and your team members if you just hold on, you know? And so I, I, that would be, it would be awesome. I would, I would love to jump into that DeLorean. <laughs> I'm sure we would all love to do that. And I'm, and I'm not surprised at all. I'm sure you were, you were a visionary 10 years ago, just like you are now. And, you know, Dr. Garrett Ray, I just want to thank you for everything that you do, whether, you know, things that you've done um, in your work in the VA, things that you've done in the clinically integrated network, things that you continue to do with um, the care transformation organization and all of your practices. It takes leaders like you who have a clear vision, who understand team-based care, who are willing to commit to that, um, that it will help propel us into, into a better future. If we go back, we take that time machine and uh, we go 10 years ahead, I think we'll see you again and still as a, as a leader and a visionary. So thanks for everything that you do. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much.